Welcome back to Sister Alec Cat's Tea, where we talk about all things church-related. And on today, we are finishing up our series, Depression and the Church. This is the third episode, the third and final episode of this series. And you have got to go back to episode one and listen to everything that has been said Maybe you yourself uh, is in a state of depression or maybe you know someone else is in a state of depression. We know that depression is a wild of the devil. We know that um, we have to deal with depression in the spiritual sense and in a natural sense. We know that God gives us doctors and healthcare professionals to help us with our calamities, to help us with our suffering. So we must uh, deal with it in both aspects, both realms, if you will. And we've also talked about and learned how Elijah, the prophet of God, the great man of God that was taken up into heaven with a whirlwind. Actually, I need to find that scripture for you as well. That was taken up to into heaven by a, a whirlwind. He never tasted death and how he, such a great man of God, by hearing a word, a messenger came with a word from the Queen Jezebel that she, uh, she was looking, coming after him basically to kill him. Elijah ran for his life. He had just called down fire from heaven and he ran for his life. He ended up under a juniper tree and he began to tell God he's tired and he's the only prophet left, true prophet that's serving him and that he wanted to die. So these are truly signs of depression in the prophet Elijah. And he ended up, and at the end of that journey, he ended up in a cave and God himself had to go and talk to Elijah and let him know that he was with him and that Elijah himself had more work to do. So this lets us know that depression is real. It is a real thing. It is a real sickness. It is a real illness. So we can beat the misconceptions that depression is not real when we can see clearly in the Bible where the prophet Elijah, a great man of God, a man that raised people from the dead, was depressed. Now we're going to continue on this episode, the final episode. We're going to continue on uh, talking about the depression and the church. Mental illness leads to suicidal tendencies and hearing church members, church believers say to trust in God or to stand on his word or to repent of the sin that is causing this to come upon you is not the proper way to help someone who is fighting depression. All these types of phrases and cliches only bring about continual shame and discouragement to the individual. Now, if you, if I am depressed and I have suicidal tendencies, I have a mind to harm myself and you, my brother and my sister in Christ, 
comes to me and say, all you have to do is trust God and stand on his word. Or, or they say you need to repent of your sin that that has caused depression to come upon you. Um, yeah, that would send me into a deeper state of depression because I feel like the individual don't understand what I'm going through, what I'm fighting with. We, we know that depression is a wall of the devil and we know that the devil comes to us or bring things or send things to us to get us to turn away from God, to feel like God does not love us, to feel like we're failures, to feel like we're hopeless. There is no hope uh, in God for us, that um, God has walked away from us, that we've been abandoned not only by God, but by the people of the church. These are lies and deceits and conceits and, and mischief of the devil. So if I have my brother, my sister, who is supposed to be my keeper, the Bible tells us about being our brother's keeper. If, if my brother, my sister is telling me things of this nature and they are supposed to be my keeper. Yes, that is going to send me deeper into a state of depression. Now, shame increases loneliness and isolation worsens. Thus, the individual experiences a deeper state of depression. The cycle is vicious, so we must be careful if we know of someone or we deal with someone or we uh, uh, come into contact or a continuous contact. Say, for instance, our loved one, our neighbor, our uh, co-workers. If we have, a, even ourselves, if we have an inkling that depression is on the scene at work. We must realize that this is a vicious cycle and we must be careful of the words and the things that come out of our mouths and the way that we treat the individual. Believers, especially the saints, especially Christians, we must become educated on the topic. We must understand the signs and the symptoms, first of all, of depression, and we must know how to handle or deal with or communicate with a person that is dealing with depression. Along with uh, what we say and along with uh, appropriate scriptures, and compassion and wisdom will lead us on how to deal with uh, an individual or even to deal with ourselves in a state of depression. Now, we can't uh, or why can't the church, for one thing, have a faith-based support group or support groups, plural, to help those in need? Not not only to help those within the ministry, excuse me, but those also that are outside of the ministry because not everybody is spiritual. In other words, what is the church doing for the community? What is the church doing? We've already established that we're living in a world pandemic. We've already established that COVID-19 has brought an increase in depression and anxiety throughout the world. Um, we've read that from the, the WHO, the World Health Care Organization. We've, re we've read 
articles or we've read snippets from the CDC that states that our, the adolescents, our teens, are, are um, persistently feeling depressed and um, feeling anxiety and even contemplating suicide. So why can't the church uh, form some type of support group? Or why? First of all, why, why can't the church even conversate or address depression in the church? Why is that not happening? Why isn't the church helping the community as a whole? Also, prayer itself. Prayer is, is good by itself. However, engaging with the individual speaks volumes. I can, if I come to a state where I can pray out of my depression, let's say, um, it's better if I'm praying with somebody else. It's better if I have my brother or my sister here to help me pray the bible tells us where there's unity there is strength there's strength in numbers we know that in the natural sense there is strength in numbers matthew the 18th chapter verse 20 tells us for where two or three are gathered together in my name in the name of the lord there i am in the midst so if my brother or my sister comes and engages with me in prayer because we're gathered in the name of the Lord because we are praying the Bible tells me that God said he will come and be in the midst therefore if God is in the midst that means that I will gain strength come on somebody go with me here Matthew 18 and 20 states for where two or three are gathered together in my name there am i in the midst of them so instead of my brother and my sister saying you know just pray it out and and have faith in god and and your depression would just go away we've already established that is not going to work we've already established that in episode two so if even if i do get into a state because remember if i am depressed I, you know, depending on the level of my depression, I, I, I could be depressed to a state where I don't even want to put food in my mouth. I have no appetite or I do not want to get out of the bed. I am totally feeling hopeless and, and like a failure and loneliness and, and I'm inadequate to even be in this world. I am contemplating suicide. So if, if I'm in this level of depression, if my brother or my sister comes in to engage with me in prayer and supplication, in reading of the scriptures, in talking out, you know, what I am going through, that speaks volumes to my soul. That speaks volumes to my spirit, whereas I will gain strength. Where there is unity, there is strength. And if we are praying together, we coming together in the name of the Lord. The Bible tells me that God will step down in the midst of our prayer. And definitely will gain strength on that aspect. So we must look at the scriptures. We must realize that, you know, these fleety things that come out of our mouths or these fleety attitudes or mindsets that we have on certain aspects of things. We must uh, consider, contemplate before we speak of what we say. 
because it doesn't make sense if you really think about it. If you really think about it, if I am depressed, my me just praying away, is this not going to take away my depression? First of all, I got to have a mindset to pray. So, okay. Okay. Sister Allie Katz is over there. She is depressed. Um, You know, all she got to do is pray it away. All she got to do is have faith in God. Read her scriptures. Well, Sister Allie Katz T can't get out of the bed. So, how is she going to pray it away? Come on, somebody. Let's think about these things. Let's think about the things that we say. Let's think about the, the ideas or the misconceptions that we have. And let's um, look at the other side of it, if you will. Let's do something about it. Let's engage with that individual because that speaks volumes to them. Faith and the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ always helps in the healing and the deliverance process. So, just Jesus himself alone being there because he said he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will always be there. He will be there to the end of the world, to the end of the earth. He will be with us. So just knowing that gives us, um, gives us, you know, gives us strength. Give us a mindset that yes, Jesus is dead, even though the enemy may be saying God has turned his back on you. God has walked away from you. God has abandoned you. When we know that those things are lies straight from the pits of hell. If we stand on the scripture that God said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you because you are my child. Just holding on to that one scripture, just holding on to that one word, that one, that, that dot of encouragement will, is, is like the, the stepping stone of, of deliverance, the stepping stone of healing. That's the seed of God that's planted on the inside of us instead of the seed of the devil. That is a seed of God that plant is planted on the inside of us and we have to let it grow. And we have to say, God said he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. He will be with me to the ends of the earth. And devil, I know that that is you telling me that he has a abandoned me. He said he will never leave me. Get thee behind me, Satan. You know, we have to use use our, our tools that we have in our arsenal. Use our tools that we have in our backpack uh, as we put on the armor of God. As we put on the armor of God, there are tools that we use and that is, the Bible says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. We pull down strongholds and we Cast down imaginations and every everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And we bring into captivity our thoughts unto Christ. So that tells me I cast down imaginations when that devil bring that vain imagination to me. When I know it's, it's the devil, I cast it down. I cast you down. That whatever, whatever you imagine, I cast you down that God is not with me or God has abandoned me. I cast that imagination down and I bring that thought into captivity. God said he will never leave me or for, nor forsake me. And this is how we do it. Once we get into a state of mind 
that we can do this. Because remember that depression is a debilitating disease. It's debilitating. It's a debilitating emotion that saps the very life out of us. Like I said, it's a silent killer. We we talked about in um, episode one how it affects our body. It affects us with uh, um, uh, our immune system. It, it affects our blood vessels. It constricts our blood vessels and, and it, it makes us prone to heart attacks. There are things that it does to attack our body. Depression does this let alone leading to suicide. So we must think on these things. We must be um, uh, more open to thinking clearly about our actions when depression is prevalent, when depression is on the rise in a pandemic. And we know that depression opens the door for suicide. We also talked about there is a suicide spirit that has gone out into the world. We've seen it many times how people just, people you never thought, the next thing you know, they've committed suicide and, and then we're left wondering what were they going through? What was their mindset? Listen, let me tell you their mindset. They were in a state of depression. They were feeling lonely. They were feeling hopeless. They were feeling inadequate. They were feeling like failures. These are signs and symptoms of depression, which opens the door to suicide, which leads to suicide. If something is not done, if something is not done in the spiritual, if something is not done in the natural, suicide can happen. So when you see someone commit suicide, it could be a loved one, it could be a friend, it could be, you know, a, a celebrity that you, you know, was engaged with and you're like, oh my God, that person committed suicide. Yes, that person committed suicide. There was something going on on the inside of their minds. We've talked about the signs and the symptoms of suicide, how the individual feels. So we must be more, uh, and especially now that we're living in a pandemic, when so many things are not going the right way. So many things are, are coming forth that brings on the feelings of sadness and, and um, um, loneliness and, and a failure and um, just so many things, hopelessness. These things are running rapid or these feelings, these emotions are running rapid and you put them all together and what do you have? You have depression. And when depression enters in, it's bringing its buddy with it. Demons do not uh, uh, come by themselves in so many words. They don't come to uh, depress you by themselves. They're going to bring, open the door for their buddy and say, come on, suicide. I got this one over here. The door is wide open. Come on over here and work your work. I've, I paid the way for you. Come and do your work. And next thing you know, that person has committed suicide. We must be uh, careful. We must be um we must think on these things. Now, the enemy uses this emotion to flat out stop our progress in the kingdom of God, especially if there 
is a call on our lives. And we, we talked about that with Elijah, the, how that Elijah got depressed and he ran for his life, but God had to come tell him, you have more work to do. Get out of this. The, the Bible tells us, God said to Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this cave? What is your mindset, basically? What are you doing here? Why are you in such a low level of mindset? And you just prayed to me and I sent fire down from heaven. Why are you in this cave after this woman said that she was going to kill you? You ran for your life. Why are you here, Elijah? Read it for yourself. First Kings, read chapter 18 and 19. First Kings, chapter 18 and 19. Read where Elijah ended up in a cave and God is asking him, God himself is asking Elijah, why are you here? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? God is uh, saying, um, Sister Alicats, why are you here? Hmm, why are you in this state of depression? I mean, I'm giving you visions and revelations. I am working a great work in your life. I am, you know, revelating your mind and showing you these great things in your calling fire down from heaven and um you're healing uh you're raising the dead and and all these great things why are you in this cave why are you in this mindset what's going on elijah was depressed like i said depression is debilitating it weakens it enfeebles that you were focused on the works of the devil instead of the promises of God. Elijah focused on what Jezebel said. He said that, you know, I'm the only one out of all these prophets. They have killed. Israel has turned away from your covenants, your contracts. They have torn down the altars. They have killed all of the prophets of God. All that's left are these evil prophets. And I am the only one left. God, I am tired. I am tired. Jezebel, now she's trying to kill me. I'm tired. Just take my life. These are the things that Elijah said to God. Depression is debilitating. It enfeebles. You focus on the works of the devil instead of the promises of God. Instead of uh, Elijah seeing that he just called fire down from heaven. Instead of Elijah seeing that he raised the dead. You know things of that nature. These are the things that we already talked about. Instead of Elijah looking at these things. He's looking at oh Jezebel. She's going to kill me. And she's killed all the prophets. And Israel has turned away from your covenants. And they, they've torn down the altars. And I just want to die. I'm, I'm not greater than my fathers. <laughs> but God said he will never leave you. And he will never forsake you. Alley cat. Sharon, Keith, Michael, Jason, 
Mark. God said he will never leave you nor forsake you. Why are you here? Depression is an unthinkable emotion to have in the church. <laughs> I'm going to read that again. Depression is an unthinkable emotion to have in the church. And why is that? You say. Because of the strength or the encouragement found in the scriptures. Hmm. Really? Depression is an unthinkable emotion to have in the church. Why? Because of the strength and encouragement found in the scriptures. Say, for instance, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ephesians 3 and 16 says that he will grant you according to his riches in glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man on the inside. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 states, My grace is sufficient for thee, which we've already talked about, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. We talked about how Paul had a uh, thorn in his flesh, is what the scriptures called it. And he prayed three times to God. He prayed, he asked God three times to take the thorn away from him. But God said no, basically. God told him after he prayed, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. The grace that I give you is, is good enough. My strength is made perfect in your weakness, in your debilitating disease, in your infirmity, in your sickness. And whatever is wrong with you, my grace is sufficient and my strength is made perfect. When you are weak, I, God, am made perfect. That's 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. However, I have witnessed many Christians fight a battle with depression. And I myself has fought that battle. I fought that battle. So why does it seem... To be so prevalent in religious societies. If depression is not something or an unthinkable emotion, should I say, to have in the church, why does it seem to be so prevalent in religious societies? In the religious community. Why are preachers and pastors committing suicide? Why are those that call upon the name of Jesus committing suicide? Why is that? Well, I can contribute or I can speculate. It is a lack of a relationship with God. A true, close relationship with God. But then we can look back on how Elijah was close to God. Calling down fire, consuming fire. 
And then Jezebel sent him a message and he's running for his life in a state of depression. God, I'm done. I'm tired. Kill me now. He had a relationship with God. God himself had to go and encourage Elijah. God himself had to encourage this man. So can we attribute it to a lack of a relationship with God? I don't know. I'm asking you that question. Or can we contribute it to disunity in the church? The church people say, no, yeah, you're depressed. Just pray about it. Just pray your depression away. Have faith in God and it will go away. You on your own. <laughs> I make fun of it, but I mean, seriously, think about it. If I'm depressed, am I going to pray my depression away? Am I, am I going to pray? Or am I going to be in a cave somewhere like Elijah? Yeah, the prayer that I'm going to be praying is, Lord, I'm tired. I can't do it anymore. Just take me away. Is that going to be my prayer? Come on, think on these things. Think about it. Now, I'm asking the questions, and I want you to answer them for me. Okay, so what does the Bible say about depression? Perhaps you are tired too. What does the Bible say about it? Does it seem like you're doing your best only to have one crisis after another come upon you? Do you feel like the world is crashing in on you and there's nothing you can do about it? Do you want to just give up? Any of these questions come upon you? Can you relate to any of these questions? Well, God's word has plenty to say about this Encouragement and depression and how to deal with them both. We should also recognize that the more severe forms of depression can lead to or be caused by certain physical and psychological disorders. We could encourage or we would encourage anyone suffering from severe depression to seek guidance of a trained counselor or mental health professional in addition to applying the biblical tools discussed in this study, in this podcast, in this talk. Let's look at some relevant scriptures so that we can learn what we can do to help overcome depression and its negative effects. First of all, we're going to deal with the spirit because we know whatever manifests in the natural Started in the spiritual realm, right? We've learned about that. Anything that happens in the natural realm is first uh, started or, or taken place or, let's see, strategized or plotted or planned or discussed in the spiritual realm first. So let's deal with that spiritual realm. What is the root cause of my depression? Well, Proverbs 13 and 12 says, hope deferred 
makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. So if I'm hoping for something, or I'm looking, I'm ex in expectation for something, and it is deferred, in uh, other words, it does not come, I could say speedily, or halfway speedily, if it does not come, as I have asked, Proverbs tell me that it makes my heart sick. I get sick. I get depressed, in other words. But on the other hand, it says, but when the desire comes, what, what I have been praying for or what I've been hoping for, when it comes, it is a tree of life. It brings life to me. It makes me happy. It makes me joyful. Proverbs 13 and 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of of life when that desire come that desire is a tree of life let's go on to proverbs 18 and 14 and this is coming from the new living translation the human spirit can endure a sick body but who can bear it if the spirit is crushed come on come on somebody Go with me. Listen at this again. This is Proverbs 18 and 14. The human spirit. So my spirit, I can endure a sick body if I have a cold or if I have a high blood pressure, if I have arthritis or, or even if I have cancer, I can endure a sick body. But the scripture says, but who can bear it? If the spirit is crushed, I throw my hands in the air. How can I bear it if my spirit, if I am, my, if my spirit is crushed, if I am uh, 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 rejected, let's use that. If I am rejected, my spirit is crushed. How can I bear it? That's why you see many people end up committing suicide what happened to that individual that led them to suicide they're dead now unless they left a note or left some kind of sign or inkling we will never know why but say for instance rejection a heavy spirit rejection if i am rejected my spirit is crushed and i cannot bear it therefore it leads me down the path to destruction which can be suicide my spirit is crushed so i end up committing suicide or i've been uh, abused in some type of form or i've been molested and and, I, and my spirit i can't take it my mind cannot wrap i can't wrap around what just happened to me so what I end up depressed, which opens the door, or, or the, the, the abuse opens the door to depression, and then depression opens the door to suicide, and I kill myself. Proverbs 18 and 14, the human spirit can endure a sick body. I can endure being sick. I can endure having cancer. But if my spirit is crushed, I can't bear it. Proverbs 18 and 14, read it for yourself. We're going to go to Job 4, 6 and 11. 
My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without, without hope. Listen to the words. My days are swifter. My days, they coming and going, they coming and going, they coming and going and are spent without hope. So throughout these days moving, the day, the time is going, time is not waiting for anybody. But throughout my day, it's without hope. I have no hope in my days. Day in and day out, I have no hope. Therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. We become depressed when we lose hope. Come on, people. We, we become depressed when we lose hope. Come on, saints. Come on, Christians. Let's dig deeper into this state of depression. Depression and the church is what we are talking about. When we become depressed, we lose hope. When we see no end in sight to our problem, my days are going in and going in and I'm coming in, going out, coming in, going out. And each day I don't have any hope. So then I, I can't restrain my mouth. So I speak of anguish. I speak of things uh, that are not of God. Because, you know, the Bible tells us out of the mouth, we can speak life and death. Out of the mouth is the abundance of the heart. So when we're speaking these things out of my, oh, I'm so lonely. Oh, I'm so depressed. I'm so this, I'm so that. Yes, you're speaking life. You're speaking death to yourself. You're speaking depth to your spirit. But when you speak, I have joy in the Lord. The Lord is good. I am the righteousness of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When we are speaking, I'm speaking life. I have the fullness of joy living and abiding on the inside of me. I am speaking life. But if my days are without hope, that's when I speak anguish. And that's when I complain in the bitterness of my soul. That's what Job 7, 6, and 11 tell me. This is, this is Job speaking. We become depressed when we lose hope. When we see no end in sight to our problems. Thoughts of just giving up will surface. And that's what happened to Elijah. Elijah gave up. He didn't see an end to the problem. Elijah said Israel had turned away from God and, and, you know, he was jealous of God and he was doing all that he could do for God. But the people just would not do right. And they was killing up all the faithful, true men of God. And he said, now they're after me to kill me. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm giving up. So I, Elijah, we read about it. That's 1 Kings 18 and 19. Who takes advantage of this moment of weakness? Oh boy, we know who takes advantage of this moment of weakness. The devil himself and his cohorts. We can read in Ephesians 6, 11 and 12, where the Bible tells us to put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. These, these are Satan's cohorts. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. 
these are they that take advantage of this moment of weakness. These are they. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. These are Satan's cohorts. They take advantage, let alone his human representatives, the human hosts that he used to come up against you on a daily basis. This is what happens. We must consider, we must take notice of how the enemy works so we can use our tools, we can use our weapons of our warfare. 2 Corinthians 2, 7 and 11. So that, so that on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps some, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Lest Satan take advantage of us, for we are ignorant of his devices. Did I not just say we have to know these things so we can know how to fight so we can know what tools that we need to use against the devil he said lest the scripture is telling us second corinthians 2 7 and 11 he says so that on the contrary you are rather to forgive and comfort him lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow that person that is depressed may be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Then at 11, verse 11 tells us, lest Satan should take advantage of us. He is the one that takes advantage of our, our situations and our circumstances. When we are already downtrodden, he comes and put his feet on our necks. He doesn't fight a, 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 a fair battle. Are you kidding Satan and his, his representatives and his cohorts, they don't fight fair. They want to see you in hell with them. So it says, lest Satan should take advantage of us. For we are ignorant of his devices. When we are ignorant of his devices, his ways, his strategies, his tactics, his plots, his ploys, his plans. That's when he comes in and take advantage of us when we are ignorant of what he does. And let me tell you, I've been there and I've done that. I was ignorant of his devices. And that opened the door for the devil to come in and set up camp. Hmm. And I'm still trying to get rid of that devil. Satan and his demons want you and me to fail. They want us to give up. So when we are discouraged, Satan will Make sure he broadcasts his evil thoughts and ways toward us. So he's basically how I said he's in our ear, in our ears with a bullhorn broadcasting his evil thoughts and his evil ways. God has abandoned you. Your family has abandoned you. Your family has rejected you. It was your fault. That you were abused and molested. It, it, it was because of you. You did it. The unforgiveness. You won't forgive them. So yes. I'm going to 
uh, come in with 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 um, depression and then I'm going to bring on suicide behind me. These are just examples that I'm using. He broadcast these things in our ears. We must guard our thoughts. Our minds or our minds will pick up his wavelength. That goes back to the scripture. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. Pull down strongholds. We cast down imaginations. We cast them down. When he brings those imaginations to our mind, we cast them down. Because if it is not good, it is definitely evil. If it's not good, it doesn't come from God. It comes from the devil. So we have to cast those imaginations down. We have to cast those thoughts down, those wavelengths. We have to cast them down. And the scripture goes on to tell us to bring into captivity the thoughts. We have to bring into captivity our thoughts. It said we must guard our thoughts. We must put on our helmet of salvation. That is a part of our whole armor. We talked about that in the armor of God. We have to put on our helmet of salvation to guard our thoughts, to guard our mind when the enemy comes in to plant his seeds, to when the enemy comes in with his bullhorn and say, God does not love you. That is a lie from the pits of hell. When the devil tells you that you are alone by yourself, just like he did Elijah, the great man of God, that is a lie from the pits of hell. If we don't do these things, we will become even the more discouraged, even the more depressed. So where is the first place that we should go when we realize that we are depressed. Well, Matthew 11, 28 through 30 tells us, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. Who is telling us this? This is Jesus speaking. So come unto me, Jesus said, ye who labor and are heavy laden, you who are depressed. And he said, I will give you rest. He said, I am gentle and I am lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Psalm 61, 1 through 4 tells us, hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, when I'm depressed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Come on, somebody. Let's go to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing. Don't have anxiety about what's going on in the world today. Don't have anxiety about COVID. Because let me tell you, if you are in God and you get COVID and you die, let me tell you, you will open your eyes up in the bosom of the Lord. You will be in heaven. So if I die, let me die. I'm going to, I'm going to see the king. 
Come on now, that's a song. If I parent, hey, that's what Esther said. Read it for yourself in the book of Esther. She said, if I die, if I perish, let me perish. I am going to see the king because these things have to stop. And, and there's a song, it says, if I perish, let me perish. In other words, if I die in God, let me die in God. Why? Because I'm going to see King Jesus. The Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request, what you have of the, what you want from God, be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. God's peace that surpasses all understanding. He said, we'll, we'll guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. So God will give you his peace. It passes all understanding. You, I mean, you got this, you got this great host all about you day and night. This great host of people all about you or demons or demonic forces about you day and night. But you have the peace of God. You can uh, live your life just like ain't nothing going on. That's the peace that passes all understanding. That will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. That's why the Bible says be anxious for nothing. Why? Because in prayer, everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. Let God know what you have him to do for you. Let God know. And remember, we also read or we also talked about, but when God don't come in always speedily, he don't do it always speedy. And there's a scripture where God was telling the people of Israel, you know, you're going to go into the land, the promised land. He was telling Joshua, you're going to go into the promised land, but I, I'm, you're not going to get rid of all the people all at once. He said, it's going to take time in so many words. You're going you're gonna to get rid of this set of people. And then you're going to get rid of that set of people. And then you're going to get rid of that set of people. Everything is not going to happen all at once. So, even though you pray and you have your supplication, your thanksgiving, and you make your request known to God, that means everything is not going to happen all the time immediately. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes God takes time to do what he's going to do for you. Why? Because he's working a work on the inside. He's getting rid of that depression. He's letting that depression uh, work a work on the inside of you. Just like he told Paul, he said, the thorn in the flesh. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because when you are weak, I am made strong in you. When you're in the midst of your calamity, that's when I can show forth my glory in your life. When others look at you and they say, oh my God, this is happening to Alley Cats. This is happening to her, but she is strong. She got a smile on her face and she is living a life. How can this be? This can be because God himself is in her life. He's given her the peace that passed all understanding. I don't understand it. She should have lost her mind by now. I don't understand what's going on. It's the peace of God that passes all understanding. It is guarding her heart and it is guarding her mind through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Read it for yourself. The scripture tells us that 
We can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens us. We can do it. My God from Zion, I'm getting emotional. I am getting emotional about it. The word of God is right all by itself. Just reading Philippians 4, 6 through 7 is enough for you to take a piece of God, a piece of word of God and run for your life. Not running in the midst, not running in the direction of the cave, but like God told Elijah, God told Elijah, you got to go back the same way you came. The same way that made you run to this cave and hide, you got to go back that same direction and go do what I told you to do. So Philippians 4, 6, and 7 should give us a mindset to run. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, put on, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be known unto God now remember it don't always happen immediately and the peace of God you got peace you can sleep at night I don't know about y'all but I sleep like a baby auntie I don't care what's going on funk and all I sleep like a baby That peace which passes all understand. I can't understand it. I this girl snoring. All this commotion going on. And she's snoring like a baby. She's sawing them logs. How, how can this be? I don't understand it. Well, because uh, God sent his peace that passes all that to guard my heart and my mind. Through Jesus Christ. Our human nature doesn't want us to acknowledge we need help, but God tells us to go to him when we are discouraged. Even though Satan tries to broadcast his evil thoughts to us with his bullhorn, God can protect us and give us an amazing and powerful peace of mind. I'm a witness to that. Just as God strengthened Elijah's hope, he can strengthen eyes as well. That comes, take it to Psalms 31 and 24. In Jesus' name, I, I say, say a lot of that. Think on these things. Depression and the church. Think on it. My God from Zion. My God from Zion. What a powerful, powerful series here. Depression in the church. Why is it not talked about? Why is it not discussed? Why is there not a study on it? Why is uh, there no sermons on it? Why do we not have any kind of support group for depression in the church community? When we know for surety that it is running rapid in this world today. It's, depression has opened the door to suicide. There is a suicide spirit running rapid. And we got to start at the root. We got to find out what is going on in the spirit. Or what happened in the spiritual realm that made depression to manifest in the natural. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for listening to Sister Alley Cat's Tea. And like I always say... I will talk to you soon. Be blessed.